0: My Bible, God's written living word to me. It reveals to me what God says I who God says I am and tells me what God says I have. Because it's how He thinks I choose to believe and act on what I'll read. And therefore I am transformed. Amen. As I said, we're going to continue this morning with our current series called God's Dream. We're discovering through this series that fulfillment in life is not found in chasing your dreams, but in reflecting and fulfilling his. How many of you remember the movie Men in Black? Huh? great sci-fi comedy of uh, 1997. Here's a quick synopsis. They are the best-kept secret in the universe. Working for a highly funded yet unofficial government agency, K and J, are the men in black, providers of immigration services and regulators of all things alien on Earth. The basic idea is that they, they are protectors of the public against dubious, semi-friendly terrestrial visitors. While investigating a series of unregistered close encounters, the MIB agents uncover the deadly plot of an intergalactic terrorist who is on a mission to assassinate two ambassadors from opposing galaxies currently residing in New York City. When members of the public happen to witness extraterrestrial reality, the men in black numb the citizens' gray matter and neurons. Then those individuals forget and assume that something else happened. Now, the way they numb them and, and sort of blank their memory is with a neurolyzer. all right? Let's have all the lights out, please. Emily, if you'd help me. Lights out, let's go. Good afternoon. Please give your attention to my associate, Agent J. He's going to demonstrate an electro-biomechanical neural transmitting zero synapse repositioner. We call it the Neuralizer. Keep it simple, slick. Mm, thanks a lot. Thank you, Agent K. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you will, look right here. OK, you now you're on an airplane, and the flight attendant asks you to turn your cell phone off. And you're like, I ain't turning my cell phone off. That don't have nothing to do with no damn airplane. Well, this is what we get. That's what happens. It gets up there, bounces around on the satellites, and bam. Just turn your damn cell phone off. Now you're going to drive off a cliff tonight because your GPS don't work. (laughs) Oh, what new liberty we have to curse in service. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. I believe that God's going to use this message as a neurolizer this morning <laughs> to blink you of a bunch of bad theology. You know, there's some phantom theology out there that sort of goes like this. We're foreigners here, and so we don't belong here, first of all. And number two, that we're alienated from God. He's a great distance from us. So, frankly, that leaves you and I feeling like creeps. (laughs) First of all, we feel bad about ourselves, our desires, our bodies, our figure, our face, our height, our features, our voice, our social status, our education, our upbringing. A little bit of ring there, Jerry, bass ring. Just a little bit. And so we resent our parents, we resent our teachers, we resent our mentors, the police, anybody in authority over us. And then second, we're taught two devastatingly negative doctrines as Christians, which position us immediately for classifying ourselves as unwanted, insignificant, screw-ups, who are only here on the planet, temporarily as foreigners and aliens, individuals who someday are going to be made holy and acceptable to God at the second space coming of Jesus upon which we'll all be sucked off the earth. Amen. That is the new Word for Corson commentary on Ephesians chapter 2 and Colossians chapter 1. Thank you very much. (laughs) Let's talk about these two doctrines for just a minute. Foreigners and aliens in our world. Here's what one commentary says regarding that. Enemies of the world. Really? And so to serve Jesus positions you as being immediately an enemy. Of anybody else who hasn't yet received Jesus. Really? Now this is common. This is common in our theology here in America. It's common in just about any commentary you would read regarding the verses that we're going to look at this morning. And it is a common feeling and sense among believers and Christians. We're aliens. We're foreigners. We really don't belong here. Really don't belong here. You know, and so, and, and you know, this whole world and all, everybody in it uh, were, were enemies. How many of you associate with that? I mean, how many of you identify? How many of you can... Here's one uh, translation. This this is called the... Uh, I don't even know what the C stands for. It's C-E-V, Contemporary English Version, I believe. I mean, this is such bad doctrine. Listen to this. Dear friends, you are foreigners and strangers on the earth. It's such a bad translation of what we're going to read. A little bit of mid-range. Just tweak the mid-range down and a little less space. Now, here's the literal rendering of the New American Standard. When I say literal, here's the New American Standard Bible of this text found in Colossians chapter 1. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Verse 12, chapter 1 of Colossians. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing that they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Take special note of, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts. I urge you as... This would be likened unto. It doesn't call you an alien and a stranger on the earth. It says, in the same way that an alien and stranger would conduct themselves, knowing that they're in a foreign place, they don't really belong here, you treat yourself that way, not towards the world, not towards friends, not towards family members who haven't yet accepted Jesus. But as you wage war, look at it, Against your own soul. So in other words. It's within us. That we are wrestling. With this religious notion. That we're distant from God. It is within our own being. That we are wrestling. With this theology. That we don't belong. That he doesn't love us. That we're distant. That we can't get things worked out. That we're aliens. And he says look. Treat this like. You would if you were an alien and a stranger. He doesn't say you are that in this world. It actually refers to this world system, the flesh and religious system of religion. That's the proper interpretation and thought that he's using here. I love what Francois does with this in the mirror translation. Listen. Listen. It does not matter how appealing the system of the flesh glory seems. It can never define or fulfill you. Do not allow yourself to be lured into its strategies and sway. You are dearly loved. I urge you from within this place of our joint oneness to remain like pilgrims and strangers to the subtleties of a world system that is foreign to your design. Avoid any influence that does not resonate with your innocence. And, and, And then verse 12, watch this. He continues, The beautiful way in which you conduct yourselves in the company of people who are not familiar with your beliefs will attract their attention to the resonance of their hearts as they witness for themselves God's intentions as evidenced in your good works. Wow. Thank you, Lord. You see, God has put in each individual something, something of his presence, something of his love, something that causes an awareness of him. Paul said it this way, even those who have never read the New Testament, those who have never had a preacher witness to them, they look at the glories of the heavens, they look at creation, and they're without excuse because the glory of God is revealed. There's something in the human heart that tells every human being God loves them. He's there with them. It takes Christianity to convince people that God doesn't love them, that he's far from them, that he hates them, that he despises their sin. It takes Christianity to teach people that. If you just leave people alone, there's something in their heart that's drawing them. And Francois correctly brings out, look, when you and I simply conduct ourselves in the company of people who are not yet familiar with the Christ life, with the way we believe, it will attract their attention to the resonance that's in their own heart. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And then what do we do? What's what's our purpose as evangelists? What's our purpose as passionate Christ followers? We come alongside that individual and we facilitate, we encourage what the Holy Spirit is doing in every human heart. Think this not a strange doctrine? Even Luke in the book of Acts records that on the day of Pentecost, when the mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out, That it was a fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel in Joel chapter 2. That God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Not just people that go to church. Oh, you didn't hear me. God will pour out his... This was a fulfillment of Joel. Acts chapter 2, the great baptism of the Holy Spirit. Something we as charismatics, all right, Pentecostals, whatever you call yourself. Hold so precious and dear. That 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 happened in Acts chapter 2, on that great day when the Holy Spirit came and flooded that upper room, and 120 were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Peter in his message said, this is not strange. This is a fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel, that in the latter days God would pour out his Spirit on all flesh. All flesh, all flesh, not just churchgoers, not just Baptists and Methodists, not just Charismatics and Pentecostals, but all flesh. See, that person you work with, God's poured his spirit out. That family member, you know, that's away from God, not following God, and it just eats away at you. You just, you hurt for them. God's poured his spirit out on them that co-worker at work that you just struggle with. God's poured his spirit out on them. It takes stupid Christians to defeat that, to mess it all up by teaching people that they're far from God, distant from God. Your sins have separated you from God. All of that mess. We dealt with it in part last week. Listen to that message. Uncommon intimacy. Don't you like that title? Thank you, God, for that title. Uncommon intimacy. Uncommon intimacy. Woo, glory. Don't get me happy. It, it, you see, if we would read the prayer of Jesus in John chapter 17, it tells us clearly that Jesus left us on earth to do what, uh, to, to finish what he came to do. And in fact, greater works than these shall you do because I go back into my Father. In fact, he, he prayed Father, I don't pray you'd take them out of the earth, I'm praying you'd leave them here. What kind of prayer is that? Leave them here, God, because he wanted his followers to passionately come alongside all human flesh and facilitate what the Holy Spirit was speaking, how that Jesus has died. He's bore their sin. He's reconciled them to the world. Hallelujah. Mm. Alienated from God? Foreigners? Here's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Here's where we get that concept of being alienated from God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 12. This is from the New King James. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. And then we slip over to Colossians, back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. And, and listen to this. Now, I'm going to read you something here. Wow. And, and I have... I'll just read it. This is, the, this is the Phillips translation of verse 21 and 22 of Colossians. And you yourselves who were strangers to God, and in fact, through the evil things you had done, his spiritual enemies... He has now reconciled through the death of his body on the cross so that he might welcome you to his presence clean and pure without blame and without reproach. As if you being clean and pure was the reason Jesus came, to provide you a program to get clean so that God would accept you. Dear Lord, the theology that's so messed up in some of this translation. And Phillips is otherwise pretty reliable on a lot of things, but many got this messed up. This reconciliation assumes, of course, that you maintain a firm position in the faith and do not allow yourselves to be shifted away from the hope of the gospel or else you're going to lose it all and burn in hell. Lousy thing. I mean, there's so much stuff added into that based on where people are, their mindset you know, they're teaching. Now, here's the NAS, New American Standard Bible, which is one of the most literal word-for-words that we have available to us, of verse 21. Watch. It's just so distant. And although you were formally alienated and hostile in your mind, you engaged in evil deeds. How were you alienated from God before you became a Christ follower? In your mind. He wasn't distant. He didn't consider you an alien. alien. God hadn't set you over in the category of sinner, foreigner, and you need to get all that behavior change. God didn't do that. Religious teaching does that. And then he qualifies it. And although you were formally alienated and hostile in your minds, you engaged in evil deeds. Well, you become what you think. If you think, a for, like, if you think you're a foreigner, you'll act like a foreigner. If you think you're a drunkard, you're going to be a drunkard. If you think you're worthless, you're going to act worthless. If you think you're no good, you're no good. You always act like what you think. And so American Christianity teaches us to think that God separated us. Our sin is separated and God treats us as foreigners. Now, here's what Francois does with this verse. This is the mere translation. Your indifferent mindset alienated you from God into a lifestyle of annoyances, hardships, and labors. How many of you can say amen? Yeah, That's where I lived, Jesus. That's where I was. Yet, he has now fully reconciled and restored you to your original design. What's he talking about? Back to the way it was in the garden when God originally designed us. Now, I want to put a plug in for something that's coming up here in June. And you need to be looking and watching and listening for this and get registered when the registration goes live. John Master Giovanni is coming in June and he's putting on the full Genesis Factor here. You don't want to miss. It's like going to be a Thursday, Friday night, and all day Saturday. And I'll tell you, it will just open up he, from the original languages of Hebrew and Greek and then the Aramaic. He'll, he'll open up for you the relationship between Genesis and Colossians, Genesis and Ephesians, and what the cross really accomplished in the death, burial, and resurrection, actually, of Christ in relationship to what God originally did in the garden in greeting Adam. Ephesians chapter 2 Go back to the verse that we already read. Look at that from above. Look look at the verse just above in your notes there. That at the time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. You were alienating aliens from the commonwealth, strangers from the covenants. What's he talking about? Of Israel? Not God, the laws, the ways, the the formal way of approaching God that is real practiced. If there was any alienation, if there was any foreign thing that was in our lives, it was that we were trying, because of what we read in the Old Testament, to appease God, please God, come into his presence by keeping the law. And he's speaking to Gentile people here and saying, you were foreigners. You were aliens from that commonwealth, he even says, of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise. Yes, we all were. If you weren't born Jewish, if you weren't taught in temple, then you were a stranger to covenant. You were a foreigner to the commonwealth But that's not God That's a religious system that the Jews embrace Keep in mind who he's talking to here So please dear ones When we, when we go to read our Bibles And understand Our proximity to the Father Please don't use this language of separation Please don't teach people That they're distant from God. Please don't teach people that their sin alienates them from a loving father. We found out last week. If that were true, if sin were the issue, what was the Son of God doing going to the home of Zacchaeus and having dinner with him? And oh, by the way, remember what the religious people did? He's going to the home of a disgusting sinner. (laughs) And Jesus went and had dinner And hung out with Zacchaeus A type of us A type of the whole world For which Jesus died And to the point here that Francois makes You remember in the story of Zacchaeus How that Jesus didn't preach against his behavior He didn't point out how he was living He didn't challenge You know his cheating And his stealing money from the folks At a certain point during Dinner and just hanging out that night, Zacchaeus stood up, and here's what he said, Lord, Lord, I'm going to give half of everything I have to the poor, and if I've stolen anything from anybody in town, I'm going to give it back to them four times as much. Lord. Lord. And that all happened because Jesus just brought the presence of God and hung out with Zacchaeus. And that began to pull on Zacchaeus' heart and locate him. Not as separate from God, but that God was involved. He had climbed into the very life of Zacchaeus. And that's God's desire for you and me. To climb into the life of people who are not yet Christ followers. Don't teach them they're aliens and foreigners. That has nothing to do with it. It's not the language, and it means something completely different. And yet we've been taught it as gospel. So you know what we need to do this morning? We need a reset on our theology. Could I get you to just look up here for a minute? Would you say that together with me? We need a reset on our theology. You know what, in, in the tradition of men in black, the movie, I'm just praying God will zap you with his n- neural <laughs> Ding! Just Man, I wish I could have gone and gotten something to just flash you this morning. I was thinking, what can I get? Lord, can I go to the hardware and find something that would just blink, you know, like a really bright flash. I thought, well, I'll use my little phone, and then I looked at it and did it to myself, and it was really weak. That, that's not impressive. <laughs> I want it to be impressive, God. I want it to blow their minds. Now, we're talking about Colossians 1 and Ephesians 2. These great chapters regarding the reconciliation of man to God. And yet they use this language that Christians picked up on to teach the theology of separation. It's bizarre how you have to misinterpret scripture to get that out of it. All right. Whatever you're doing, I want to use my Holy Ghost neuralizer on you right now. You ready? All right. Here we go. Everybody up here. You are not ugly. You are not ugly. You are not ugly. Your sins have not separated you from God. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. He's put something inside of each of us so great, so powerful, that even if you're not a Christ follower this morning, God's crazy about you. He's chasing you. You don't have to chase him. Well, I don't even know if I believe all this stuff. That's okay. God believes in you. We are going to read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 through 19 from the original language that it was written in, which is Aramaic. All right. Now I don't read Aramaic. I don't, you know. So this is a direct translation of the Aramaic New Testament, which is the language Jesus spoke in and that the apostles used. Here we go. Several verses, Ephesians 2, 12 through 19. It's in your handout. In the particular time, you were existing without the Messiah, Messiah, and you were foreigners from the guidance of Israel, and you were aliens to the royal proclamation of the covenant. You were in the world without hope and without God. Now, you are in Jesus, the Messiah. You are in Jesus, the Messiah. From early on, you were afar. You have neared by the blood of the Messiah. Verse 14. For he is our tranquility. He that has made those two one and released the hedge that had stood in the center, which is the whispering enemy. Stop for just a moment. Oh, Jesus, what a definition of Satan. What a definition of darkness. You know what all darkness is? An absence of light. You know what the definition of me walking in darkness is? Having my mind filled with so much crap that I can't, I can't see the light. I can't read the light. I can't think, you know, religion teaches me You know, God hates me. He doesn't love me. I'm separate from God. And so my mind gets filled with that, and it's an absence of light, and it becomes darkness. It's not even a demon. It's not even necessarily Satan. It is, though, the whispering. (laughs) Don't you love that? The whispering enemy. We've learned in previous lessons over the past months. I remember teaching it in not the last series, but the series before this series before the last series, that the only power that Satan has and can exercise over you is that of a seed merchant. He comes and presents seed thoughts to you that you have to take and plant in the soil of your mind. Otherwise, he has no power. He has no direct power over you but to suggest, to plant seed thoughts against the life of God, the whispering Enemy. Now, I love this. Look at it. Verse 14. For he is our peace. He that has made those two one. What two? All that is Israel or the Jews and all that is the Gentiles. It matters not. You know why? Because God judges no human being by your origin of birth in the flesh. He judges you by his creation he receives you as a human being that's why all these labels that we attach to people as being this or that you know some sort of sinful lifestyle god god sees past all of that because he sees only humankind And through Jesus, all humankind, Jesus died for all humanity. And so through Jesus in the logic and heart and mind of God, all humankind has been restored and reconciled to the Father. That's why Paul could say there is neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, bond, slave, nor free in Christ. Dear ones, drop the labels Jesus looks through it all, and he sees humanity. He sees original creation, and he says, you are mine. I have lost nothing. I have lost nothing that the Father has given me. And so he's come after us. So whether you are Jew or Gentile, bondservant or free, or whether you're male or female, it's all the same. There's peace and tranquility. You you set aside that whispering enemy, watch, by his flesh. He inactivated the commands of the law with his commandments that those two would create in himself one new human and produce peace. Jesus took the entire thing of humanity, and created one human. That's why the Bible says, Paul, Paul's gospel was, in, in Adam all died, but in Christ all have been made alive. Is death universal? Did death come on all men? Well, then life is universal because life has come to all men. Now, you need to believe it. You need to receive it. You need to come out from behind the curtain as we've illustrated in previous messages in this series. It's not yours until you believe it. It's not real. It's not activated until you believe it and receive it. Verse 16, watch. He shepherded those two in one body being with God and he killed the whispering enemy by his cross. Quit giving the devil so much do. Quit giving the devil so much time in your words. Quit giving the devil in darkness so much time and interest in your thoughts. Yeah. Jesus, it says, killed that whispering enemy. How? On his cross when he just took all of humanity and made one human body. and he, he, he Just one human being and he, he died for all and so all live. Verse 17, he came bringing news of peace to you, to the far and to the near, because it is for us that by him the two touch with one spirit. Next to the father. Verse 19, so you are not, watch it, (laughs) oh Jesus, you are not aliens, you are not sojourners, but you are children of the holy city and children of the house of God. You have a new father actually, your father never left. You ran. That's the prodigal, right? The story of the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15. The prodigal left. The father never did. But watch this. When the prodigal realized feeding the pigs, feeding slop to the pigs, his condition, and he decided to turn around, get up and return to the father. Do you remember how the story goes? He was, he was, he was walking back. And he got within visual distance of the house and the father who had been looking for him all every day, the father would go out expecting, expecting, be expect, because his spirit's fallen on all men. He was expecting that the prodigal would return. He was looking for him every day. And every night that the prodigal didn't return, the father would go to sleep and he'd say, tomorrow, tomorrow, he'll be back tomorrow. And one day the father, oh, he stands up and he's looking. And in a distance, he sees the prodigal. He sees the man who was so hard on himself. He sees the son who had wasted everything in prodigal living. He sees his son who he had never given up on. The scripture says the father ran towards his son. Don't you dare teach people that God is separated from them. God's running towards everyone. Get out of the way. I mean, if you can't speak life to people, get out of the way. Let the Father find somebody who can.